Welcome everybody to episode 12 of Euphoria. Now, you may notice that Deficio is not here today. He is sick. I was gonna have him sing uh, the Pokemon theme song in Danish, which I find hilarious because I think you can split verses in different languages. And I'm pretty sure anyone who watched Pokemon can sing it in their native language, which is a really cool international thing and I wanted to share it, but I can't. Uh, so instead, I'm gonna have our special guests today, Kasing and Niski, give us their best ASMR attempts. We were joking about it before the start of the cast. Just say some nice, like, get really close to the mic, get, you know, give us some nice things. Describe water bubbling oh, into me. <laughs> Welcome. We're available on YouTube, uh, iTunes, and SoundCloud as the boys get ready. So I want you to describe to me, Niski, how to play Casio, but like really slow and soft. Like, what skill do you take first? Uh, what runes do you take? Okay. <clears throat> So first, you're gonna max. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I gotta do that. I can't. It's okay. Good sing. <laughs> sing. Tell me what happened in quarterfinals. <laughs> but soft in ASMR. We, we lost. <laughs> I love it. That's all I needed. All right. This. Um, oh my, what am I doing? <laughs> I tried. I tried. This is I, I can't see I, you I, this, is, this is what the people wanted. If they could even. You guys were super soft there. Respect for that. Um. So topics today, we're going to be talking about the finals. We'll talk a little bit about Niski more in depth, because this is a guy we haven't had on the podcast before. Um, and we'll also be talking about the gauntlet. Splice and the gauntlet specifically will be the main focus. Uh, before we do that, we have a couple of updates now. There's a ton of bets that are going to be resolved around finals. Keep your eyes open on Twitter and social media platforms to see those. But a couple of weeks ago, during the same time as the Nuke Duck rap came out, we actually resolved the bet with Memento, uh, and this is the result. Hey guys, it's Dragos and Memento. Uh, we lost a bet, and we're here to yeah. tell you that uh, that Denmark is the better country, and it's better than Sweden. It's much more superior. Pulsa. Yes. Fox Condi. Good. Such a great country. I, I wish good. I was from Denmark. Oh, Denmark's the best. Yep. For sure. <laughs> Denmark! No, this is so cringe, man. <laughs> so horrible. <laughs> Wow, with the magic of post-production, guys, the people at home just saw that video. We haven't, uh, they haven't seen it yet, so they don't know how to react, but we'll show them later and they'll get to appreciate it. Um, the other thing is, this is probably the last uh, episode for this regular season um, and playoffs. So we kind of commissioned an artist to do something special and make a giant portrait of all the Euphoria bets, um, done in a very specific theme. <laughs> and Kasing, you are a part of it, so I'm going to reveal it now to the audience at home as well as to you. We'll see what you think of the, the artist's interpretation of you. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it. I'm... Wait, wait, I'm being kissed. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so you may notice you. You're in the corner right here up next to reckless high-fiving Tristana. And that is Oda Womnik kissing you on the side of the face. You also look very young here. Yeah. Shout out to the artists. They made you look very adorable. <laughs> you look especially adorable. Oh, my God. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, so we did the creation of man. Uh, so Deficio in this case is God. And I am man. I think I'm Adam. And this is the brilliant moment. So famous paintings. You know, taking an EU style. So every single bet uh, of the major bets we've done on here, every caster is on here. Niski, I'm sorry we didn't get you on the show while this was getting painted, so you're not. But um, shout out to the artist. You can check her out, artstation.com slash wandakun. Uh, we might put a link at the bottom of the screen for you guys. But that is the Euphoria painting. We'll share it with the community. Anyone who wants a copy can get a copy uh, to print out at their own printer. Uh, we won't do that for you. That's too much money, man. Um, but there you go. This is the great first memorable first two seasons of Euphoria celebratory painting. That's a pretty sick photo, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's actually quite good. Sorry, painting, no photo. <laughs> I mean, it's like technically a digital painting, I guess. I don't even know. It, yeah, I don't know. The word painting is so like, I don't know, maybe <clears throat> outdated in this century, this day and age. Um, so honestly, there's that. Uh, before we start talking about the finals, which is, I think, one of the big things on everybody's mind, I do, Niski, welcome once again. I'd love to hear a little bit more about you as a player, because I think a lot of people are familiar with you from Fnatic Academy, Envy, and Splice. Like, people know about this time in your career, because this is when you were much more in the limelight, but, like, yeah. where did you start? How did you actually get started in League of Legends? Um, actually, I started to play in France when I was, like, I think 16 at that time, and I was actually, like, really bad, you know, like... I was only good mechanically, 
but I had like no brain, you know? So basically in France, I was kind of getting the fame because of the streamers and like, I kind of knew everyone of the mm. scene, basically. And then I was also mechanically like better than every other mid, you know? So at that time it was just, I was just winning French lands. And then I guess that's where it started because that's where Cly contacted me. Clash by, Clash by, yeah. And then that's when I went to Fnatic and that's where it all started for me. So I just played in France and yeah. that's it. Uh, amateur scene coming in. Uh, a lot of people are really curious as to how pro players get started. Um, and so you mentioned uh, obviously like your, your competitive career and rising up and just stomping French lands, but like how did you get to this point where you were actually like mechanically good? And the, or are you the legendary guy who just started out as a challenger player? No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, so basically, I think I started in season one. Or was it? I think it was one. That was because of my what, cousin. What champion was coming out, right, when you started? That's always the easiest way for me to remember. I mean, I remember the first champion that I played, I think, was Ash. Nice. <laughs> Tutorial was the easiest status. champion ever, you know? <laughs> and then that's when, like, I actually didn't like the game in the beginning, like, that much. But then everyone was just keep spamming it you know like my yeah. my whole family is like kind of a gamer's family i would say because i've i have three brothers you know yeah and three older brothers as well oh, so dang. they were just playing the game and i was like okay i mean i will just play with you guys and then we're just playing together and then that's when i like started to play ranked and i got to gold immediately while my brothers were like silver you know and they were like bronze even so they were like quite bad compared to me and then I just kept playing ranked, you know, I, I stopped playing with them because I felt like I was just better than them. And then I just grand, I was like platinum and, you know, I was just keep playing the game. And I felt like at that time, every time that I had like free, uh, like free time, you know, to do anything I wanted, I just wanted to play league actually, because I just loved the game at that point. And that's why I grinded to like diamond. And at that time, at that point, I think it was like, the Diamond 99 LP thing, where you had to win like three or four games in a row to be like in promos for, I don't know if it was Master or Challenger. No, it was just Challenger, it was Challenger back Challenger. then. Di the difference between like Diamond 130 LP and Diamond 1 like 70 LP was like the difference between yeah, actually, start yeah, yeah. of Diamond 1 and like top of Master now. It was actually yeah. crazy, the difference between skill level. Yeah, and then at that point, I was actually like matching against a lot of pros actually in solo queue. And I was actually like proud of myself, you know, like even playing with them was like, Insane. I remember the first time that I played with XPK or with Bjergsen, I was like, okay, Bjergsen have met, I will play Mundo top, you know, and I was just like playing tank and just watching him, you know, like just play the game. But yeah, I mean, at that time I kind of, I won't say that I considered to be a pro gamer, but like it was kind of my dream at that point. Like I was watching streams every day, every time before I would sleep to like learn more about the game. I wouldn't really give like much energy to school as well. Like that's why I was like not that great uh, in school, you know, but I didn't really care too much about it. But then that's when everything started where I got my first team. And then the issue with that is that I, I was in school at the time and like the lands would start on Friday in the mornings. So when I had school on Friday and I had to travel on the, on Thursday to go to the lands, I didn't even like warn my, my dad that I would be like, like Thursday I would be like, hey dad, um, tomorrow I cannot go to school. And he was like, why, you know? And I was like, yeah, I have to go to the friends to play a tournament about a game, you know? And at the beginning he was like, nah, you know, you're not going. But then I think at one time I actually went without even telling him. And then like the school called my dad and he was like, wait, is he not at school? And then my brother told my dad that I was actually like in France playing a, a tournament, you know. Good and brother. To yeah. Immediately <laughs> sold you out. Nice, nice. I mean, to be fair, my brother helped me like a lot with it. Yeah. But then I think it was once my dad saw that I actually loved the game and then I was actually like winning prizes. Even like it was like 500 euro at that point. But, you know, yeah. I was just kind of showing and like popping off in France. And then even like my school teachers, they actually knew that I was playing league, you know, because my... Um, my classmates, they were like, you know, we had like a board yeah. with like a PC, so they would just write Niski, and then, you know, you would see me with like the, the check of like 500 euros, it was just my pictures playing games, you know, and they would just put it at like a wallpaper, so basically every time there would be like a, te a teacher coming to our class, they would see me on the wall, you know, like <laughs> a picture of it, and they were like, what the hell, you know, like what are you doing? And And then like the whole school kind of knew that I was like into gaming, and I was like semi-pro at that time, 
And then, yeah, I mean, every time I was missing on Friday, they were like, hmm, okay, looks like he's playing another tournament, you know, and that was fine with them. And I mean, yeah, that was kind of where it all started, I guess. I mean, the hard part was like convincing my parents that I yeah, it's wanted not, to be pro. But you did say that they like eventually started to support you. Like, yeah. was it was it after a few tournaments? Was it like a couple years in? Was it around the time when you started joining Fnatic Academy? Or was it like in the Melty days? Or um, Things that when I was back in Melty... It was actually like quite easy because I kind of had a salary at that point. Okay. So it was like, I still had school at that point, but they were like, okay, if you end this year of school, then we will give you a chance, like a one year duration where if you actually like prove that you can be a pro player, then it's fine, you know, but if you fail, then you're going to go back to school and just study and, you know, be like this. But yeah, I mean, they were kind of supportive also because of my brothers. I mean, it was kind of, my brother's dream as well before to like be a pro player because they all played WoW, for example, or like, you know, any other games. And like, they just loved that, the idea that I could be a pro gamer, you know? So I just kind of, I won't say that I did it for them, but they really supported me as well. And I think that's what gave me uh, the drive as well. And I mean, I'm... Other than that time your brother sold you out and told your dad immediately that you left to France, that's super cool that you, like, had that rallying support from from your brothers. Yeah, I mean, things that they were all supportive and they were just... Things that at that point, like, organizations wouldn't even pay me to actually, like, go to lands. So I had to go, like, like not cabs, but, like, I'm not sure what you say, but, like, when someone goes, for example, a random guy goes from Belgium to France mm-hmm. and he just picks you up and you pay him, like, 20 euros or something and you just go with the ride, you know, like, you just go with him. And then that's you like hitchhiking, or did you like find people like on no, the no, internet? No, no, no. I just hey, hey, are you going to hey. France? Like, are you going to France? <laughs> no, 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 no. There was like that website that like you could find people that would go to France from Belgium. Okay, and then you would just pay them, and they would just take them with you, you know. And look, man, it sounds super sketchy, but I'm glad you made it. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> what. I mean, I, I mean, also my brother had like a car at that point, so he would yeah. always drive me, and it was like, I mean, I don't know, man, like eight, nine hours, sometimes I would just drive there and arrive at like three hours before I would play, you know, and sleep in the car. Like, I mean, it was, it was fun in a way, but also like quite exhausting. Yeah. But at the end, it... I mean, the early days of esports and also just on the lower end of esports where teams aren't, you know, teams are just starting out and definitely a lot of the younger orgs, you just don't, you don't get everything paid for. It's not as, you do not get a salary. It's not very cushy. (laughs) It's a little shady sometimes. I know? just remember long ago, as long as they provided a hotel and travel, or they yeah. like, as long as they paid for those two, that was the only thing that you needed, you know? Yeah, like, I definitely remember that. <coughs> I remember times where it's like, do you need to to like be here? Could you like come like an hour before the show? Like, we don't really want to pay for the hotel the night before as a cash. I was like, yeah, sure, as long as you're still, you know, inviting me out to do the thing. Yeah. So one question for you, Kissing, though, is. Um, there's so many pro players here who are like the legendary, like God League of Legends player in their school. Were you? Were you? Did anyone think you were like super cool for being a top League of Legends player? I mean, I I basically had a gap year after college. Oh yeah, and then I used that to kind of so did did no one get to know your like legendary League of Legends status when you were in school? Did you not get? It? <laughs> I mean, people knew that I was like. Good because I was like diamond at the time. Yeah. Diamond was like the highest uh, ch- uh, ranking that you can get. There was no challenger back then in season two. Yeah, and basically people knew that I was pretty good at the game, but they didn't realize that I would go pro. Like I, I didn't know I would go pro. I mean, either, you know, I mean, no one knows. But <laughs> I just, cool. I just remember because like for me in school, and it sounds like for you in school too. Like everyone in my class knew the high elo kid. Because, like, League of Legends was insane when we were in school. Because I was similar to you, where I did not like it at first. But literally everyone that was my friend was playing it. And after you get over that learning curve where it's you feel like you're playing in mud and everything kills you, but you can't kill anything. Like, the game is insanely fun, right? But, like, I was just... I just wanted to know if you had the same experience. Because I wonder how many people in that early early days of League of Legends, like, knew the high elo kid in school. Because it was a big deal for us. The thing is, in the UK, or... League of Legends wasn't like as popular, right? But obviously, it was popular in some people. With some people knew about it, yeah. And then, like, I was new in that kind of community, like the small like community that I had anyway back then. I, like, we would play like in houses, right? Where you yeah. have like nine other guys and just fucking just you chat anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. Might, I, I remember. Write, <laughs> you might write some stuff, but um, just you know, just one v one people and whatever, like just showing who's the better player. Just yeah, yeah. Was fun at the time, and eventually, obviously, if 
you know that, like as Niski said, you know that you're better than everyone else, then you kind of go on to try go pro because once you start meeting like pro players, back then for me, it was Yellow Star. And I was like, who is this guy? This guy is like my name, but he took my name because <laughs> my name was Yellow Star before. And yeah, <laughs> it's kind of weird to say right now, but you know. It happens. <laughs> it happens. I think he might have gotten the name before you. Sorry, we lost out on that one. Your alternative name uh, we've talked about before, and uh, always bring it up, but we'll just leave it for this time around. All right, well, cool. I, I thank you for the background information, Niski. It's cool to hear that you had, like, I think most parents are skeptical at first, but it's, it's cool to hear that they, like, turned around. Are they super active in supporting you now? I mean, I know, yeah, they're, my dad actually watches even more games than I do, you know, so it's kind of like, he's like, did you see that game about, like, that, Turkish league that played this I was, I'm like no and he was like oh yeah I watched that game and sometimes he talks to me and he's like why don't you play this champion and I'm like dad like I'm not gonna play any champion that they play you know and I mean it's kind of funny to see my dad actually involved in this because before he wouldn't I wanted that he wouldn't care but like yeah, he was yeah. more like I mean it's hard to like I mean, explain this to people who don't yeah, yeah but like in the beginning when I tried to explain it it was actually like really really hard you know before he actually like I mean I needed my brother basically to like explain to him and Rano, he watches every game. He watches legit. What's, what's the worst champion selection your dad has ever given you? As a final note on this topic, what is the what is the worst thing he's ever been like? Why don't you play this? No, I think he's, he's not really suggesting thing, but he's like, you know, on Twitter, yeah, like yeah. I have his Twitter, and he's like defending me when people are like flaming me. He's oh, like, dang, dude. He's like, but Niski plays well, and like, but Niski did this because of this, and he's like trying to defend my defend me, yeah. but he, he actually doesn't even know that I know his Twitter account. So that's actually quite funny. But yeah, I mean, he's just. I feel like he's just supporting me in a way. Dude, <laughs> I mean, that's awesome, though. Like, I mean, he's like, I, I would, he's, I'd be. Oh man, that's I just super cool that your dad is like defending you on. Twitter. Yeah, the thing is, he's like defending me without telling me that he's defending me. So it's kind of like, that's that's cool. It's quite cool because, like, when I see him in real life, he's not like, oh, I defended you on Twitter uh, against. Yeah, he's not guy. doing it to like. Show, he's, he's just like, doing yeah. it because he wants to do it. He does is, it, and it's like, I'm like, whoa, you know, he's actually defending me and. I feel that it's pretty cool, you know, because he's just supporting me in any way he can, so... All right. The TLDR, Niski's dad, dad of the year. <laughs> My guy. Competing with Alfari's mom from last year, who was our EULCS parent of the year, and is still probably competing with your dad for amount of presence on Twitter. But shout out to all the active League of Legends parents on Twitter. Are your parents active on Twitter at all? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't, like, my mom doesn't even know how to use one. <laughs> Honestly, I'm so glad my mom does not get on Twitter because she would do the same thing. But like my caster name is obviously just my last name. So people would figure out pretty quickly who my mom was. And I just, yeah. I don't want, you don't want that for anybody, man. The Twitter, Twitter flame is real. All right. Well, thank you, Niski, for sharing a little bit about your history. Kissing, when did you first discover Niski? Like, when did you first hear Ooh. about this guy? Like, what was your first experience? Now, usually when I ask this question, it's almost always this guy was trolling me in solo key. Nah. You had a similar experience? Actually, uh, surprisingly enough, um, I met Niski in solo key. Uh-huh. And, like, I, I've always seen this guy around. And yeah. sometimes he would troll around when he was playing mid. But when he was playing AD carry, I think I played bot with, bot with Niski, like, maybe around four or five games. And every single time, he always carried, right? And I was, I was like, smurfing. is this guy AD carry main? Because I was like, who, who is this guy? Like, he always plays mid and trolls, so I thought he wasn't a mid lane main. And I thought, you know, this guy's AD carry main, which is why I told people, you know, just go bot with me, uh, Niski and stuff. Be closer to him. Oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I want to repeat once I again. Got you, I got you. <laughs> Niski, you're an excellent first guest already, dude. You're on top of this. <laughs> I can't believe <laughs> So basically, um, I played with Niski in solo queue, yeah. and I played bot lane with him, and I was like, what the this guy is so good on AD, but maybe not on mid. And yeah, I, I realized that after a while, um, I felt like I wanted to get to know this guy more because I felt like, you know, I was, I think at the time it was kind of off season. Yeah. And I was just playing around with random people and friends and stuff. And I thought, <clears throat> maybe, maybe I'll just play some duos with Niski and see how it goes. And then, yeah, it went pretty good. Like, I think I was, at that time, I was playing like a lot of Zillion. So, I'll basically kind of use Niski as like my hyper carry, but on mid. So you play like Cassio, Syndra, these kind of champions that can just go in Orianna even. So imagine a non-mobility champion that has like 99% speed, even Zoe, right? Everyone's seen, <laughs> Zoe. Everyone's seen Zoe. But like I said, I think that's how I met Niski. And then I felt I, oh, I was on TS and stuff with him. So then I got to know him more. Mm -hmm. And I felt like this guy is someone I want to play with in the future. 
because he just seems like a really nice guy. When when was this actually like <clears throat> happening? When was this? Um, was this like a year ago? Was this this like right before the season started? I think it was before you went to Envy. Yeah, I mean, like, it was like I knew I knew Niski before even with, when he was in Finesse Academy, mm. but it was mainly during before he went to Envy that I was like talking with Niski quite a lot. That's interesting because, like, I I'm always curious to see how pro players meet each other because you guys are like I know once usually once people meet each other and you find someone that like you enjoy doing with it's like very common to just go into team speak talk like take that friendship in but it's always crazy to see like how long ago you guys actually met each other. Um, Niski, you said you like you were just as mechanically good player and that you were you I mean you were mechanically good but otherwise yeah. just like awful like what was there a moment for you where you like really started to feel like you were a good player like was it in A was it on Fnatic uh, Academy to be fair, I think it was in Fnatic because that was at that time where I basically to get in Fnatic Academy you had to beat caps or either like survive against caps you know because yeah. every mid that they would like try would get demolished by caps you know and then I just came and I think I saw a kid caps at like level two, like two games in a row or something. And then they're like, okay, I mean, if you want to join, then you know you're <laughs> in. And that's when I kind of realized that I'm actually like, I have like potential to be good. Mm. But then I got, uh, I mean, my coach was actually quite good. It's Koobs. Mm-hmm. That coach is a giant right now. Mm-hmm. Then he taught me like a lot about the game, you know, that after every wave I move, after every wave I kill, I have to move, you know, because I was just AFKing and just staying mid while caps are just moving out of the map, for example. Yeah. But then I just learned a lot from like playing against Caps as well because we scrimmed the LCS team a lot at that time. So it was like kind of easy, easier for me to learn because I, I could also like ask Caps like why he thinks this matchup is good or when he moves, why he moves, stuff like that, you mm-hmm. know. So for me, it was kind of easy to like learn the basics, I would say. But then for the specifics, like playing side lane and stuff, I I still had like no idea, you know, so... So when you, you went to Envy and you guys, I mean, you guys made playoffs, you had a pretty solid uh, couple performances, but then it, like, it didn't really happen for you there. Um, why, why did you end up leaving NA and coming back to EU? Like, what was, it, what was the deciding factor there? Um, okay, so basically in Envy, we thought that we would make franchising. Like, that's what we, we've been told. And then they didn't make it, so it was uh. actually, like, you know, quite sad. But then I had to look for a team. And at that time, uh, not any... There wasn't like one team in the that actually like wanted me, even after those. I mean, I won't say that I was great, but you know, I think I was like good. Enough. I mean, you were the strongest. I think you were the strongest individual player on the team for the. For the I, I mean, I would part, say yeah. so, but yeah, but like things that no one in the kind of wanted me because I guess they wouldn't take the risk. But then EU teams actually like wanted me, and that's why I was like, okay, I mean, if NA doesn't want me, then I will just go to EU, you know. And, and at that time, I'm not even sure if I would actually like go back to NA because. Everything was just so different, you know, it's like their mindset or like they don't try hard as much as in EU, for example, you know. For me, I just wanted the best team because I wanted to make it to Worlds. So that's why I just came to EU and like right now I'm in place, so. And here you guys are. And it's yeah. been like, despite getting knocked out in quarterfinals, it does feel like <laughs> it's not the best first year. I know you just you just look like you're just not having it right now. But I, I, maybe I just shouldn't even try to console you. No, no, I... I I think honestly that series was rather on us to lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I think Schalke played well, but I think we were the I think we were the better team for most of the games. But we just weren't able to push our advantage further in order to close out the game. And like, if I I, I think we re- or most of us have rewatched the series, and you guys obviously have seen the series as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was mainly due to the fact that. Like, scrims is going well in terms of how we played out the game, but on stage on that day, I think it was not as good because of the fact that we just didn't go more or go further. And I think that that was more on me because I think on the day I kind of underperformed. Even though Otto took a lot of, like, blame and a lot of, like, criticism for why he, you know, why why he basically so lost the side supply series. But I think as a team, it was on us to kind of, like, back him up, you know? And I don't think... Although this necessarily played that bad, but like he obviously did not play the greatest, right? Not the best game. But I think we as a team, we didn't also play that good neither or neither. But mm-hmm. and I think it kind of sucks to see, you know, all the all the hate comments on Odo, because I think it was basically me kind of not stepping up in order to make sure that 
we as Splice are able to basically close out the game. And I think that's kind of sucks for the quarterfinals. Yeah. And to be fair, I mean, like, the community always just goes ham on, like, the most visible factor, right? So if one player is struggling more than anyone else or, you know, a team makes a horrendously stupid Baron call or something, which I don't think you guys did, but it's, it's really easy for people to just pinpoint Odo as the biggest weakness, right? Because, like, that was my first impression of the series, right? Without rewatching anything, the most immediate factor was Odo dying in a side lane. And whatever, the, whatever caused that, people aren't even, usually aren't even willing to look any deeper. They just look at the most obvious thing. So I hope Odo can take it in stride and you guys can recover because I think that you're right. That was a super close series and outside of those like few really obvious deaths in the side lanes, it, I think it super could have gone either way and you guys did seem like you were in control but Shalka uh, proved out the better team in the end, I guess. Uh, if, if Niski, if you were to stack rank EU LCS right now if, if, and if Splice were playing at their best form, where do you see yourself? Uh, are you guys like top three? Are you top two? Are you number one? Where do you think Splice is when you guys are like performing at that peak amongst European teams? Uh, I would say top two because mm -hmm. I still feel like even though Fnatic didn't, Fnatic didn't look as good against Misfits, uh, I still feel like their laners are just quite good, you know, like, I mean, they just have caps, you know, so basically <laughs> everything changes, but I mean, Fnatic is just always a tough opponent, I think, so I would say Fnatic would be first and I think we can be second because I think we can beat any other team by just playing macro really well and just not being behind in lane, you know. But against Fnatic, it's not that easy to be, like, even in the early game, I'll say, because they just force really hard, you know. And, yeah, I mean, I think, except Fnatic, I don't think we, we feel anyone, so. Do you think that's true for, for most of the teams in Europe, where, like, it's there's, like, there's this level above that is Fnatic right now, where they are just above the rest of Europe? Do you think most people feel that way, or do you think it's it's just kind of you guys specifically worried about this, this kind of laning prowess? I mean, I feel like... Fnatic will always have this kind of level of bluff because one, they have caps, but I just feel <clears throat> maybe because they have like a six-man roster with Whippo and Reckless and Soas, um, like rotating around. I think that's what also makes them not scary, but the fact that I feel sometimes that, you know, it's more scary to play against certain players, right? But it's not that I'm scared to the point where you know I'm shaking or nervous or whatever, but I think scary as in like they're much more strong as a team mm. because maybe they're playing more cohesive as a duo. Like maybe Hillasang and Whipple play better than Reckless and Hillasang. And I think personally, most of the teams, like anyone can beat anyone, you know, and yeah. how do I say it? On their best day, of course, they can always, you know, be anyone. But with Fnatic, it's always like a step above. You have to do more than the usual. Like, you have to kind of counter their plays because they're always proactive, you know? They always kind of do stuff and make you make decisions to in order to basically win or lose the game. And I think when we are at peak, or when we are at our peak mm. as Splice, I think we know a lot about how to play out the game and stuff. I just think laning-wise, like, for example, with, obviously with Caps, like, he's just... Even when he plays Vayne, somehow he still manages to win the game. But <laughs> I mean, somehow we all saw exactly how he won. The and but once again, this is this is that moment when you're talking about Odo getting a ton of flack. I'm sure Hansama is getting a ton of flack in the same Probably, way, where yeah. people just look at that as the most obvious. And admittedly, that was a, a poor decision on his part. But one bad decision is the only thing that people remember when when a team loses. Yeah, of course. Right? That's just how series are. You know, they just yeah. remember one big play that. They don't remember that's the game. That they, just, did. they just absolutely smashed or like just looked unstoppable. But that's all it takes. One one trust on a rocket jump with a vein there waiting with condemn. And <laughs> God, God bless him. Hansama, yeah. rip. That's a rough one. Um so finals is coming up. We we've kind of talked about caps a lot. And I, I'm curious, Niski, you've you've gone up against Nuke Duck now and you speak very highly of caps. I want to know, just getting right into it, what is your impression of this mid lane matchup? Um, because Last time we saw Shalk and Fnatic play, actually, in the season, Broxton and Caps just... Uh, this was the game where uh, Nuketuck was playing Yasuo. Oh, yeah, Caps yeah. was playing Orianna. And, and you're like, oh, they're just going to leave him. He's just going to farm. And then Broxton was, like, mid three times in a row. Killed him under his tower, like, twice. So it seems like last time they played, Nuketuck got obliterated. Do you expect it to be kind of a similar story when they play in the finals? I think that with Nuketuck, I feel like it's... I won't say it's country, but, like... For example, against us, he wasn't playing at his best level, I think. Mm -hmm. But like against who did he play? I think they played. Who did Charco play? Actually, they played Vitality in the semifinals. Is that what you're thinking of? Yeah, I think so. So against Vitality, he was actually like smurfing every game, you know. But I also think that's because DZK was just not playing for lane, you know. Mm. But I think against Fnatic, he won't have that space that he had against Vitality, 
it's the same as against us, you know, like he had no space to make any moves because we would just counter everything he would make, you know, or he will try to do at least. And I think Fnatic are quite good at that. And the issue is that against Fnatic, if you make a mistake, if you're behind, then, I mean, you can't really do much. If your millionaire is behind, then Capsule just take over the game and... I mean, it's kind of sad, too, for Schalke, because the one time that they almost beat Fnatic in the regular season was that funnel game where they oh, just, like, AFK'd around Baron yeah. for literally 30 seconds. Fnatic took the Baron and won the game. And, uh, I mean, it's just, it to me, I'd say most, most of the impression that I've got from, like, reading Reddit threads just feels like everyone just believes this is just going to be the Fnatic show. And, like, people aren't expecting a lot from Schalke. Because, like, do you have, like, any higher expectations for Schalke? Is this just another Fnatic... 3-0, instead of Reckless on the Tristana, it's going to be Caps getting all the glory. They just continue to dominate. The thing is, I feel like Schalke, maybe if they don't play through mid, they have a chance. Because I feel like Chachi has been performing quite well, especially mm. on like Poppy, you know, as you know, and Cholgaf even. Yeah. And I think the main star of Schalke probably would be upset, um, provided he doesn't just... Ian as Ezra every every second, every time. With, Look, yeah. man, some of those were good, okay? <laughs> sometimes he killed you guys. A lot of times he died, but sometimes he killed but you. But like, uh, how do I say it? I think upset he can have the potential to carry if he's playing like not Ezra. Like if he's playing like Kaisa, I think he has a really good chance because I think he's playing this champion to a really high degree. And I think especially if right now with the way he let, uh, what's it called? With Fnatic bot lane against the uh, uh, Schalke bot lane, I think it will be on upset to carry Schalke, in my opinion. I think if Nuke Dog is to play a carry, like Akali or whatever, if he's allowed to be given that, then maybe he can do something. But I think most of the most of the plays that, like Niski has said, you know, they'll probably just counter with Broxen and Caps. And I think upset will be the one to kind of carry Schalke, if they are going to do anything. That's a lot of pressure on him. I mean, would you agree, Niski? Do you, do you feel like Balin is the best avenue if, if Schalke want to win the final? Yeah, I think definitely. The thing is that I think they can play through mid, but I still feel like just Brooks and Caps Alta Duo is still way better than Dark Duck and... Uh, Are they like the number one jungle mid right now in Europe? Is it safe to say that? Yeah, I think so. How can you say that? What do you mean? Niski and Zuxa. I mean, no, I mean, I'm not going to say that they're the best, you know, because that's that's just how it is. But I think, think that I feel like, one, you have to be like mechanically insane, you know, and no flame to, to Schalke, but like amazing. And Dark Duck, I don't think they're like as good as Brooks and as I said, and yeah. you need to be like smart and you need aggressive fix because you cannot just pick Rise every game as you as uh, they did against us, I think, because then Caps will just counterpick it and then they will just gang the Rise five times and even if they lose bot, they don't care because Caps will be ahead, for example. So I think Fnatic will probably just play for mid and they will give a bot, but Reckless and like Tristan or Ezreal or, you know, just to farm and then... We'll see what happens, you know. If Schalke can play through bot and they can abuse that fact, I think Schalke can win. I won't say easily, but I think they can win. But then they still have to snowball in the mid-game quite hard or else Fnatic will just outscale and I think Fnatic are better mechanically, so... Dang. It, it sounds a little grim, but I'm, so I'm curious. You, you brought up like upset, putting upset on a hypercarry playing um, playing the Kai'Sa. His Ezreal has looked outside of the few times he's eat forward too aggressively. He has, he's looked like one of the few people in Europe that can play Ezreal and utilize Ezreal to its like full potential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think his is pretty good in general. So I'm, I'm curious why, like, do you just does he just have to play something where all of the damage burden is on him? Because I think that he has had a, a few games where he has popped off on the Ezreal. Like, why don't, why don't you want to see the Ezreal from upset? I mean, I feel like he's already, like, he's a really good player overall, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it sucks that he's, being put on Ezreal duty because usually when you pick Ezreal then that means you're just wave clearing most of the time in mid game. You're not really there to like, you know, actually do damage. You're not there to split push and, you know, try to kill anyone on site. And I think upset is the type of guy that can, he can play Ezreal, right? And mm -hmm. like the champion itself. But I just think he'll probably do more or have more impact on other champions. So um, if it comes down to hyper carry versus hyper carry, so upset versus reckless, let's say both teams play around their their hyper carry. Like, do you think that Chalka can win that way? Do you think that upset might be the guy to like dethrone reckless as number one eighty carry? Because like <laughs> reckless was real confident, guys. Reckless was like, we are one v nine. Like it was so easy. The series was so free. But I saw that man die a lot of times on Sivir, and that super clean insect play was. Maybe a little unnecessary. So uh, wh where do you think Reckless is at right now compared to Upset if it does come down to like six-item hypercarry versus six-item hypercarry? Um, 
I, I mean, it's hard to say because I haven't seen enough games from Reckless to, to make a, <laughs> a justified uh, <laughs> answer. But I think Upset does have the potential to actually defraud him if they play Rumble. But like I said, enemy has caps. So it's kind of 50 like, if if amazing like actually goes bottom, do you think Nuke Deck's gonna like die in lane? Like, yes. do you think yes? I mean, oh I mean, God. <laughs> I mean, not like I don't think he was <laughs> right. Jesus. I mean, I'm just saying like that's confident. That's like not even like yeah. There's no. Chance no, no I mean, he's get I'm not saying that he's gonna die, but I think he will be behind for sure. Yeah. And like the way Nuke Deck plays, like he freezes the wave usually, and then he makes you either lose CS or forces your jungler to come. Things that the fanatic, their jungler and support are always there, so it doesn't matter, you know. So. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like Sharker just has to make sure that Nugget just doesn't die. Mm. Like, give him good vision, give him a good champion that has some mobility. Is there, is there any champion you want to see him on? Like, do you want to put him on I like Galio duty or something? No, no, no. I mean, I think Nugget, I think I saw him on LeBlanc. I think he's actually quite good on it. And it has some mobility, so maybe they should consider that champion. But yeah, I mean, I think he can, I think Nugget can actually, like, I would say, outplay caps because he's quite smart as a player. And the only champion I saw him like really shine on was actually LeBlanc. So I think if Nugduk can have LeBlanc, I feel like he's... What, what game are you thinking of when you talk about... Uh, it was against Vitality, I think, when Enemy had Galio. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, even against us, like, when he was playing LeBlanc, he was just one-shotting cover, you know, left and right. And, like, you couldn't really expect him to come from that side, for example, and stuff like that. So I feel like he's a good assassin player. And I want to see him on Assassin's actually, rather than AFK meets, you know, like, I don't want to see him Rise, for example. I want to see him on LeBlanc, on Zed, on... I just don't think he'd ever pick Rise again, because after you picked the Syndra into it, it was very clear that that champion might have some laning weaknesses that, like, yeah. things get pretty difficult in that 1v1 matchup. I mean, yeah, but I think, I mean, he still, he died, like, twice as well, so yeah, that true. was quite difficult. But yeah, I mean, I still think that, I mean, as I said, I think Nugget gonna carry and upset on a scaling ADC, and I think they, that's their way to go. All right, the last matchup I want to talk about is, or just just actually player specifically, is, is amazing. Um, now, in your series, I didn't feel like he was that impactful, but he did look really good in the Vitality series for Shalka. Amazing versus Broxa, like, do you just put Amazing back on, like, Sejuani duty and just have him be non-existent in the early game? Or is it just, like, Skarner every single game you can get it and you just try to, like, run this guy into the jungle? What do you think is the best way to use this guy right now, if, if you're Shalka? Um... Okay, so one one funny story is like before when I was in Fnatic Academy yeah, yeah. and we were scrimming the LCS team, Broxa was just better, I will say, than Amazing. You know, he was just like smurfing every game. And I don't know if that's kind of in Amazing's mind right now or like if he feels that pressure, you know. But he, Amazing kind of taught like Broxa how to play the game, you know, before. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like it's kind of like... Ooh, student is becoming Yeah, kind of, you know. But, oh, that's hype. But I feel like <laughs> Broxa is actually like... But sometimes when I see Broxa play, I feel like he's he's playing quite smart. Mm -hmm. But then sometimes he just... I mean, I remember that like Talia game. Yeah, yeah. When he was just like three or four levels behind. I don't remember against against what team it was. But I feel like Amazing is actually smart as well. So it's just going to be a mind game, I guess. And we will see. I don't think they will fight that much. Unless Broxa plays like Elise or something like that. And that just wants to gank everywhere. That would be a throwback. Yeah, that would be insane. But Or even Lisa, you know. Can we get... Amazing Lee Sin versus Broxa Elise. Would that not, not be insane. the most hype jungle matchup of all time? Where <laughs> yeah. both champions would be useless by 15 minutes, but no one would care because we'd get like the most active early game of all time. I mean, I want to see fighting, I think, between the junglers, not like Sejuania against the Rundle and, you know, just AFK farming till something happens. But you, I actually want to see them fighting. But I want to see them fight too, but do you think it's likely or do you think they're just going to... I mean, I think if there's one guy that would actually fight, I think it's going to be Broxa probably. Amazing is probably going to be like playing Trundle or, you know, Sejuani and just trying to FK farm. And maybe Broxa will pull out, you know, the Lee Sin or the Elise or, you know, even Camila, I don't know if he plays it, but, you know, like just an early game jungler and just mm -hmm. to give the edge to his team. And I mean, I want to see it too, man. I, I love aggressive early games, and that feels like somewhere where Fnatic might have the edge. Um, coming down to it, stock predictions. You guys are like, you guys are humoring me. It sounds like a little bit where you're giving Schalke, like, if they play through bot, they can win. But do you do you think it's gonna happen? Like, do you think Schalke can be fanatic here, or, or is this just a just the fanatic uh, victory again? Um, I think Schalke have a chance, but maybe it's like I think it's like forty percent chance. Four? Oh, that's that's actually a lot, no? 
40. I was going to say that sounds kind of, that's tough for them though. 40%. Oh, so like if you had to predict it in a series, do you? Th- I mean, the thing is, Schalke have like looked better compared yeah. to our game when we played against them. Oh, for sure. The yeah, the quarterfinals was pretty rough from So then. that's why I feel like they actually have quite good, or not 40% is still decent, I would say, against Fnatic. Um, this is mainly due to the fact that I feel like they've kind of improved and resolved like some of the issues that they had before. Like, you know, I wouldn't be giving them 40% if you know they kind of showed the same mistakes as they played against us in their series against Vitality. But maybe it was because Vitality were just not playing as good because they were just A-ramming mid as five. But like I said, I think... To be fair, in Vitality's defense, they mostly built compositions that had to go A-ram mid. So <laughs> I mean, it, was, it was decided in draft yeah, what they were going to do. Exactly. They, they had poppy, <laughs> poppy support. <laughs> Led, like they had to Galio, they had to go I mid. Guess, they literally yeah, no, couldn't no, in go a way, In a way, it's good. But Shokin knew how to counter the A-ram yeah. mid. So that, that makes them uh, quite a good team. But I feel the reason why I give them 40% is that I think if they play through bot, they have a really good chance in my opinion. Mm. But if they don't, then... It's a bit harder, but it's still possible. Anything can happen because when Fnatic pick like Vayne mid, then you know you yeah. you don't expect this. You pick. just can't. <laughs> Suddenly, eighty carries look at the vein and they go, "Oh my god, it's so delicious! I have to rocket jump into it." Yeah, but that's the thing. Is like, I feel Shaka still have a chance. It's not like it's completely free zero for Fnatic in my opinion. Yeah, I think yeah. maybe it's even free free one free two, but. Is this the kind of series where you think like one of the teams will collapse after like getting swept either way, or do you think both teams are like mentally strong enough, I mean, experienced I, enough not to just collapse after like a tough loss? I mean, I feel like if Fnatic win like two games, I think they'll definitely win three. Okay, that's if they win the first two, or if they win two in a row. Yeah, I mean that's pretty tough to come back from in, in any scenario losing those first two games. Uh, Niski, how are you feeling? He he's given forty percent. You're saying that's high. So do you just see this as like a three zero four Fnatic? I mean, I think for me it's just like. If Nugduk, I mean, if Nugduk, holy, actually, we have to talk about you, that after I the end. Okay, so I think if Nugduk actually like <laughs> Smurfs or like, you know, plays at his top level, I think Schalke actually can win. I won't say quite easily, but I think they have a good chance, like maybe. Okay, let's say 40%. I mean, All right, I 40%. Percent. Oh, so with it. I still like that. 40% oh, okay. not But I'm going for the Nugduk capture, not, not for the upset, you know, because I think Nugduk has to play really well. But... I think if he plays well, it felt like Fnatic's mid-game didn't look that great against Misfits because they were really they were not really playing that good around sides, I would say. Mm. And I feel like Nukeduk is actually like quite insane on sides. Like he's you know, he's a smart player. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like if Nukeduk can get ahead and then they can play through sides, Schalke can actually win. But if it comes to fighting randomly and just dying in lanes, you know, and just if Caps gets ahead, then I think Schalke will probably lose. But I think if Caps is either behind or even, I think Schalke can actually win. Quite so easily. do we just accept that if Caps ever gets ahead, no team in Europe is going to win against that man? Is that pretty much just like what I'm hearing here? I mean, it's quite hard to play against him. <laughs> the thing is that when he's ahead, he actually like plays to the limits insanely compared to like other people when they're ahead. It's like he uses his pressure really well, I would say. Mm. And like he just fights it to the death, you know, like... For example, against Misfits, when he was on a Blanc, he was like 1-0 or 2-0, and he was just one-shooting people left and right while Misfits were just winning on the whole map, you know? Yeah. And like, that's the thing, I think. Like, you just don't have to give a advantage to Captain. I think that's how you can win. Because saying one thing you brought up is like playing through bot and trying to win bottom lane. Um, how much of this is under the assumption that uh, Reckless and... Um I almost said Kissing. Reckless and Hill are saying are playing in the bottom lane. Like, do you think that changes if Whippo comes in and they go back to like Swain, Pike, or or whatever bruisery bot lane they're gonna play? Um, I mean, I think they will definitely like mix it up around like for mm-hmm. the series. Uh I think if they were playing as Reckless Hillasang, I think it would be more of a farm lane in my opinion. Yeah. But against Whippo and the Hillasang, then these guys love to fight. So for sure. maybe it might be a <laughs> so fun the game. <laughs> like, does does that ruin upset's plan to like be this late game hyper carry, or does it just mean that like more than ever jungle? Which just need to like live bot lane all the time. I mean, it's pretty much uh, whichever jungler goes bot, then uh, yeah, it's basically better jungler wins. <laughs> that's all I can say for that. All right, series. amazing versus Brox. That's all that matters. Forty percent amazing, sixty percent Brox. All right, well, I, I like that you guys are giving Shaka a chance here because um, it does feel like they looked a lot better, and I wonder if they just like keep getting better from that point because quarterfinals were shaky. Ezreal uh, eating forward, dying a lot of times. Yeah, it was quite shaky for us as well. Yeah, it was, <laughs> both you guys were figuring it out. You know, they were figuring it out for yeah. semifinals. You guys were figuring it out for Gauntlet, but it came together for Schalke. So I'm I'm excited about this series. I really, really want to see. Um, I really hope that the lanes don't 
just collapse for either side, right? Like, because Vizicachi, um is insane, right? Some games, but he also just like randomly died to wonder really early in the split yeah. in like a winning lane matchup. So I just don't want any of that. As long as finals doesn't have any of that, like random 1v1 deaths for no reason, I'll be hyped. That's all I want to see is is a close final. So we'll see. But Fnatic, definitely the favorites, I think, as expected for for most of Europe. But after after finals, next week, you guys have to get ready for your insane gauntlet run. Which, for those who don't know, who aren't keeping up on the gauntlet, um, Splice are guaranteed to play in the first of the three gauntlet rounds. At best, they can be the higher seed, but uh, it's very likely that they will be the lowest seed coming in. How are you guys feeling about playing three back-to-back best-of-fives to go to Worlds? Assuming, of course, you win the, the first two. Um, I mean, for me, I feel like I like best-of-fives a lot. So I don't think that's a problem. That's a, like an issue for me. But you know, like the momentum and just like everything around it is just insane. You know, and I like that's what I like the most. So I think in best of fives, we can actually like, win, even if we have to play like three days in a row. You know, it's gonna be exhausting for sure. But I think since we lost against Schalke, we kind of have to redeem ourselves. I mean, that's what I feel like at least. And I mean, I'm pretty sure that my whole team just feels like they have to redeem themselves and they will just give it their best you know and I mean it's just three days and then and then we will go to Worlds if we win the play, uh, planes I think it's called yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, Worlds plans still yeah, part of Worlds, worlds plane, make yeah. it to the start to fight for your chance to get to but the I think we can stage. I think it's it shouldn't be that hard I think for us to be fair like I really think we we will beat those teams if we play at our top level and we shouldn't be scared at all and I think we should be able to win them. So, so do you feel like you, you said you really like best of fives? You said you're not worried about the three days back to back. So, do you feel like this format favors you? Like, do you think this is like a good fit for for your team and how you guys like to play? Hmm. I mean, I think it is because, for example, coming into Schalke, we kind of had a lot of plans. I would say, like even like draft wise, you know. And I think preparing against teams for us is not really an issue because we have three coaches. Yeah. So they actually like do a good job for it, you know. So. Yeah, I mean, I think best of fives is definitely better for us. Even if you have to play three days in a row, I think it's going to be exhausting, as I said, but I think we should be able to win them. And yeah. So, like, my concern would be at this point, then, if, if you guys are using a lot of that prep and you're prepping a lot for specific teams in terms of how you're going to execute, prepping for three different teams over three days seems super, super intense. Are you worried about, like, not having the best prep for each of those teams? Or are you guys just, like, coaches? go prep for three completely different teams and like are you guys ready to have like eight strategies for every single team you play against can you rely on your coaching staff that much i think i am definitely sure that we will be uh be a, be prepared by the time we do play against whatever team that like that mm-hmm. we play against right and i'm sure of this because no matter what even if we do have to adapt on stage and it doesn't really like for me in best of fives, obviously, even if you do drop one game, there's still four more games that you can play or three more if you win another three. And I think even in our series against like Schalke, maybe we had like one draft that was a bit uh, op- not not optimal or suboptimal. But I think most of the time it's like we're able to still find a good plan and, you know, just basically adapt to the situation, right? No matter what in draft that is. And I think by having three coaches, it kind of allows you to have more draft plans, not just only, you know, one or two, but rather like maybe eight or nine. And I think this is why I feel in best of fives, we are better as a splice compared to best of ones. I mean, it does seem like that's where like the preparation and and having that good support staff um, really helps you guys out um, as well as having, I think, one of the more veteran lineups when it comes to looking across the teams that are going to be present here. So, uh, for anyone who's not up to date, uh, obviously Gauntlet is not locked yet. The only teams uh, 100% confirmed right now are actually three teams, so Misfits, Splice, and G2. Where you guys get placed is still up in the air, but I'm curious, um, the teams you could potentially play against is Schalke, G2, Misfits, Vitality. Who, who is, like, the scariest opponent right now based on what you've seen so far? Is there anyone that, like, you know is going to be the biggest challenge right off the bat? I mean, I feel like <clears throat> considering all three of those teams, um, usually before we had, like, hard time against G2, but after the meta change, it kind of like we well after we played in G two, like we didn't play them anymore in regular split because it just we played the last two games right. But that was when the meta changed, 
And ever since then, G2 kind of looked like a different team. They didn't look like the same strong team that it was before with, you know, Funnel or just playing like Karma X bot. And it was just really sad sometimes. But like I said, I think G2 before were scary, but I think right now, most likely Misfits would look like the other scary one, provided they, you know, basically if it was Misfits, it's like if Handsome doesn't rocket jump in, then of course he can actually carry, right? He's actually yeah. a good AD carry. 100%. So I just think we have to be careful for him mostly. Okay, so a lot of respect being paid to Misfits. Um, if you guys did go up against Schalke, so for context, if Schalke do come in, they will be immediately at the top of the gauntlet. So they would be the big boss if Vitality um, managed to get second seed. Um, are you confident? Like, because they did look better in the semifinal. Are you confident you could like run it back and like totally just just take this team down? I think our match against Schalke will basically be a rerun of quarterfinals of what should have happened, aka you know three zero, which should have happened. But Ooh. you know. If anything, they would have improved since they've played like mm -hmm. uh, uh, semifinals at the moment and most likely finals too against Fnatic. So they're probably we're gonna learn obviously from what they do. As I well. can confirm they will have in fact played the finals. Yeah, yeah, sorry, Fnatic sorry. Before the gauntlet, I can 100% <laughs> confirm that will have happened. Uh, assuming sorry. that they do in fact show up, which is the only requirement <laughs> it would take at this point. I mean, that's the thing. It's like if they do play not so good, right? Then yeah. we can kind of see. Oh, maybe they they revert back to their own ways. But or if they do show something new, like picks wise or something, then that will kind of give us the edge and playing back yeah. against them. But of course, we have to reach that first. Yeah, but don't forget that they they will. Uh, they will look at us as well. I mean, we're going to play two best of five. I mean, that's true. That's, that's so true. I mean, but wait, so, we're going to... When is the same? I was, about, I was about to ask, I'm so glad you said that because I was literally about I'm to truly, ask, like, ooh, is it an advantage to go to the gauntlet early? <laughs> which would have been a dumb question because you do have to play two best of fives before you go up against them, which means any anything you... Uh, the question becomes, can you plan enough strategies that yeah. you won't have to put literally everything on the table before the final best mm. of five. Is that possible? I think it's possible, yeah. Do you, but it, I mean, does it require you just like 3-0-ing every team you go into so you don't have to show your full hand? I mean... Because you don't really get the luxury, right, in like a game five of like saving anything for the next team, right? You have to like put it all on the table. In a way, yes. But in another way, it's still... How do I say it? Even with the idea of them knowing like X counter pick or whatever, it doesn't change the fact that even if, like, they knew about Aveo account speak, right? Yeah. In the quarterfinals, as as shown in mic check. Regardless of that, I think we still played our champion well. I think we actually had a lead in that game. But again, we might have uh, thrown in mid lane and just, you know, died. And I think that was on us that why we, why we you know, why we lost. But either way, even if they know the picks or not, a counter pick is still a counter pick. It doesn't change the fact that because they know or not. Yeah, yeah. So I do actually want to ask one question because I'm glad you brought that up. Because I, so I've been watched since watching the playoffs. I have a theory that Predator is OP. <laughs> is Predator OP? Like, I mean, I, I mean, I love Predator, you know. Because <laughs> like you saw Anjuzuki take it on Galio, which was admittedly got I mean, him killed at level two because he didn't have any tanky stats when Skarner all did yeah. all in him. But it seems just generally super strong. It feels like a free ghost every you know two minutes or whatever. Uh, I think that's for me. I feel like on mid champions, if you don't need like the tankiness or you know, if you don't need like Comet or Electrocute or anything like that, like Predator is just insane because you can just pop it and just move to any lane and you're there in not even 10 seconds. So, I mean, I like it a lot, but you cannot use the never champion, of course. But yeah, I think it's, I think it should get the. I think it's hype, dude. Predator Vega was my favorite playoff mid lane pick so far. Kasing, do you have any strong opinions on the Keystone having mid laners randomly appear bot lane with their Predator running into you? I mean, I think the worst one for me was when like a Predator Vlad was back then like the most OP thing ever. God, please um, again. If you're playing support and you're against a like four item, five item Vlad, then it's not fun. <laughs> it's really not fun for you. <laughs> oh my god. I, yeah, bad times. But it's fine. Like now people are just playing like tanks on most most top and jungle right now yeah, and you're good you just have to watch out for the one big baddie mid laner and then yeah yeah it's true which is i mean the thing that we got to see in the uh in the semifinals, which was absolutely brutal was how utterly useless braum is against leblanc i mean you know <laughs> so sometimes she just can't w through you <laughs> go through your shield <laughs> but, but you know I, I think honestly we we just that series we should have won but I won't talk too much about it. No, no, I wasn't even talking about your story. I was actually talking about Caps one-shotting uh, Hansama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right. I don't know if you saw the clip, but he literally just WW ignites yeah. and kills LeBlanc. <laughs> like, yeah, it doesn't hit that, a single other ability. That, that's just how you get outplayed. You know, There's no counterplay, <laughs> is there? But 
Like, <laughs> you're just meant to play it. Great champion, Riot Games. We did it. We got it. We nerfed Zoe. We have a different champion now who one-shots people. It's a good time in the old meta. Um, so, you spiked about 60-40 for, for finals. What is, what is Splice's chance of running the gauntlet? How confident are you guys right now? Well, it's a 50% chance because ah. if either we win or we lose. Oh, I see. That's how we calculated our playoff scenarios. So we said every, we assumed every game was a 50-50. I mean, honestly, I can't say. Like, I really can't say right now. So, I mean, like, that doesn't sound like you have a, a, like a ton of confidence in the team or you, just, or you just don't feel like you have enough information about who you're playing against. I think it's more sure. about, like, I don't know who I'm playing against. And it's not that I'm not confident. I am. Mm. And I just feel... It really depends on what I see from the other teams before right. I can make a decision. All right, so to round this discussion out then, what is like the number one thing that you think needs to, to change between your quarterfinals performance and coming into the gauntlet? Like, What is the biggest thing that you guys are working on right now as a team? Uh, just being decisive. We just have to make sure that we know what we want, what we want to do, how we're going to do it, and we're just going to do it. All right, would you agree, Niski? Yeah, and maybe our mid-game. <laughs> because I can shock off like our mid-game was just terrible, you know? Like we're doing a lot of wrong things and just I won't say short calling wise but I feel like we're not all on the same page as well we're all doing different stuff so mm. just being on the same page playing a better mid game and I think we should be Improving the in a game. good spot so what, what held you back from being decisive in, in the quarterfinal was it just split calls was it like people getting emotional like what, what stopped Splice from being the, the super decisive team uh, at any stage of the game not just the mid game mm, I think it was just we just had a different idea of how we played the lane setups. Mm. So obviously one person will think maybe this idea is better or another person will think another idea is better, right? So and then you have two calls. And then like because you have two people saying two calls, then other three are rest let like are left alone to decide which is the better call. And in the end you try to follow one call, but it's kind of half-hearted, you know, because you don't go all in on a call, but you try to do your own call as well. And then in the end it's just a mess. And we just have to make sure that we as splice, we don't have only two calls. We have one direct call that everyone know, or not even that. Just without even making the call, everyone should know what the next play is, rather than like someone saying it and then you re responding to it. Because by that time, it's too late. But how I see it is that, especially in our quarterfinal performance, even though we won like two games, even and you know we showed that we were quite dominant in those those games. Actually, no, one game was like Schalke lost to us because upset Eden was as Ezreal. But if anything, I feel like. Our biggest weakness is just on is on us to kind of fix in terms of like making sure that we know what the best decision is, and if we can fix this, this is what will make Splice win the gauntlet. So how close are you to fixing this then? Because this that like that sounds like a pretty big team thing mm -hmm. that's like kind of built up over time. And you guys have had some really incredible games, right? Where you've just knocked people out of the water. Um, yeah, I mean, you had one of the, very much had one of those games versus Schalke. Obviously, the one that people most people will remember on an international level is the one versus Team Liquid at Rift Rivals, where you guys just utterly crushed them. So, like, do you feel like you guys are right on the cusp of this like this dream state first place where you guys are super decisive? Like, how 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 much of a project is this actually? I mean, it's more of an anime if you think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're just looking you're for just, the you're for the hero up that heroic moment. <laughs> but like I said, you know, I I'm saying this, but like. It's been like an overall, not issue, but like objective that we've kind of working or been working towards. And there obviously have been times we have shown that we can actually be on the same page and we have like, you know, just dominated the game, right? And there have been times where we just throw a game because one of us wants to do whatever and then throw the game. But I think honestly with the fact that we have three best of fives, if we do make it to the three best of fives, uh, then I think we have a good shot. I mean, I think I think the thing about uh, Gauntlet's always interesting is to see how quickly teams change. Um, and I think a lot, like, the the one advantage that you guys do have is obviously your round three opponent will get to see two best of fives. But your round one opponent, you will get to know a lot more about. Um, the only team you can potentially face is Misfits or Vitality. Is there a team that you guys would rather match up against? Mm, I feel like Vitality should be quite easy for us, to be fair. I think we're just... I think that they're just FFing mid lane. Like, they just be Gali every game, so... They're kind of giving up, you know. They're just playing for their sides mostly. And I think we're actually like quite good at defending our sides, to be fair. And yeah, I mean, I think Vitality should be, I won't say easy for us, but I think it should be better than Misfits for sure. So why did Vitality then drop so hard? Because the Kickass obviously came in and just like changed everything. 
everything looked great. Bam, coming through, winning every single game. They look unstoppable. Is this just a kind of a honeymoon phase thing for Vitality? Or is it just, are they never been that good? Are you guys going to sleep on them like that? I mean, I feel they were in a honeymoon phase with Kikis. And no, it's not not to say that Kikis is a bad player. I think Kikis is actually really good. Yeah, for sure. And from what I've seen, I feel like he definitely changed the team. And maybe he added like a lot of shot calling elements to it and just made like the team hope, like overall, uh, overall very confident. And that's why I think Vitality is good at. They're, even if the core is not good or is good, they're all five on the same page. And I think that's how Vitality were winning most of the games. So even if there was a bad core, but the fact that five of you are going for it makes it a good call because the enemies won't expect you to go all five go for the bad call. Ah, whatever, so know? they've got that decisiveness that you're, exactly. you're coveting so much. So, I mean, like if they five, all five decide to go mid and press R, then that's good because that's what the comp bit is and that's the win condition, which is why I feel it's good about vitality. But on the bad side is that sometimes they, yeah, as Nisia said, maybe they, they give up too much, uh, not farm, but they give up too much pressure for, for no reason when they could be doing something else around it. They really like to fish. They like like to just give up small advantages to like go mid and look for opportunities to engage. And they also just like to keep doing that even when they're behind or ahead. And obviously it always looks good when they're eight kills up, right? The team just looks unstoppable, but the yeah. second they're even or behind or they draft Kled for some reason. I, hype moments for sure from the Kled pick, I don't understand to this day, but it's, it's, it's crazy to me how different all of the top six teams are in Europe. Um, especially when you look at how a lot of them play, because there's a lot of different, I feel like, oh, there's a lot more stylistic variety than, for instance, when we saw spring last season where you, everyone was 60-minute team fight. Like, no one was good enough to win in the early game. It just wasn't possible because of how uh, I'll say, wholesome, we'll call it, how wholesome the meta was at that stage. Guys, you're telling me 50-50, but I'm going to need you to lay down. We need a bet. And now I could bet on Schalke winning the finals, but that is a losing man's gamble. <laughs> and I also already have a bet with Broxa and Bwipo about the finals where I'm probably going to have to get team letters shaved into the side of my head. So I need... What? Oh, it's, so as, a, as an update, uh, if Fnatic win, me and Deficio... Deficio wasn't here for this bet. This is why I made this bet because um, his hair is going to look terrible with this. So I was like, I definitely win more than he does. Um, he has to get the letters F and C shaved in. But if Schalke win... Uh, then I believe Whippo and Broxa have to get SO4 shaved into the side of their head. Jesus. So that's, we don't have to go to that level if you guys don't want to get haircuts. Uh, uh. We recently unlocked musical bets on the show. Uh, as we've learned, we can make a rap video that people seem to be excited about. So if you want another rap video where you're maybe a larger part kissing than two lines. That's, that's a no for me. That's a no? <laughs> I don't want to rap. You don't, I mean, that's fine. Okay. Really All right. Fine. I, I mean, we could talk to Marty. I'm sure Marty would be down to make you guys a hip hop video. Oh my God. He has strong opinions on Kanye West, that that Marty. He really does. He really does not like I Kanye. I can rap really good. Like, <laughs> he can? I, I, I've never, I've never known, I, I never knew he could. But. Wait, Marty can rap? Yeah. So Marty could, Marty could do it for you. That'd be cool. Okay, so, stakes, gauntlet. Do you guys believe you're going to make it through the gauntlet? Yes. Good. Uh, you said 50-50 earlier, but that, but you still believe in the 50-50, right? Yes. All right. Yeah. That's good to hear. Okay, so I, I will go out and say... You're not going to do it. I think misfits are going to run the gauntlet. Ooh. Misfits are going to get to Worlds. Okay. Now, the key here is we have to get stakes. In order to do that, I'm going to talk like this and hope that Phil can cut it for a second so we can stop filming and talk about stakes as we always do this. Okay, we're good. Um, so the stakes are Deficio and I, uh, as the Euphoria podcast, are betting that misfits are going to win the gauntlet. And you guys are rooting that Splice is going to win the gauntlet. Now, Legends Never Die cover is the name of the game. A cover of the world's 2017 anthem, Legends Never Die. Um, whichever one of us loses has to perform it. Now, the catch is that we can technically both lose. And in the event that we both lose, all four of us have to band together to perform a Legends Never Die cover in support of whoever is the third European seed. But now people will want us to lose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They'll want both Slice and Misfits to lose. <laughs> Splice fans will stick with you. Don't worry, it's going to be okay. So to be clear, oh um, cover Legends Never Die. Let's say at least 
a minute and a half of the song, like like one verse, one chorus. If you want to go more, you can go more. Um, maybe two choruses because that's obviously the part that people are excited about. Someone has to sing it, and someone has to be musical accompaniment. That is the that is the only rule. What your musical accompaniment is up to you. <laughs> For instance, I know Martin won't want to sing. I know Martin has no musical ability whatsoever. <laughs> so my musical accompaniment will probably be a cowbell. But such is life. You, on the other hand, can sing can play piano so okay that, that's that. <laughs> <laughs> and just, to be clear if Kasing is playing piano you're gonna sing for this yeah one? actually yeah. That, <laughs> now, that, now that I think about it again no I don't want <laughs> oh my god now my voice is actually quite insane you wanna give us a sample <laughs> no nah, save, save I'm, it I'm just keep in the case surprise, yeah. keep the surprise oh. for the people alright legendary uh, potential voice contestant Niski performing Legends Never Die so that's that's the stake at best for you guys, we make a cover. At best for us, you make a cover. And at worst for both of us, we all band together and make the yeah. worst EU LCS band ever, or the best, depending on how Nis- how good Niski actually is, or how good you are. I guess so you can play <laughs> piano. I have no idea what I had to play. I mean, play. I didn't play for a long time, so we'll see. I think I can still play. I think, I think we'll figure it out. We, you'll have like, what, a day to learn the entire song? Yeah, it'll be it's fine. fine. Through the magic of post production, we can. <laughs> Add in the appropriate piano sounds when you miss keys. <laughs> just play the song itself. You don't need to. <laughs> I'm just gonna oh pretend to play the piano. And we're just that keyboard cut you. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! <clears throat> All right, well there it is, gentlemen. Bet for the gauntlet. Um, we'll see how Deficio feels about this one. He's pretty been was pretty unhappy last time I made a bet without him here. But those were the rules. I had to make a Nuke Duck rap video. He has to sing "Legends Never Die." That's how it's gonna be. <laughs> Um, this has been episode 12 of Euphoria the last episode of the regular season Um, we're gonna we're gonna keep you guys updated as to what is coming next for the podcast but thank you guys both for coming on Um, the last thing before we go actually that I completely forgot so this is not the outro although it will be soon is that you actually have some show and tell that has literally been sitting here the entire time and I am a terrible host and forgot about it completely (laughs) I I forgot about it (laughs) I'm useless without Deficio here apparently so before we go Run us through the secret to Spice's success, which is what I think this is, right? This is the secret yeah. for the gauntlet success. You should show it, show it to the people. <laughs> Raymond, give them what they want. All right, all right. So in order for Splice to win gauntlet, they need uh, this right here. Get right up in the microphone and tell them because you're, oh, sorry. you're years sorry. away here. All right, I got it. I'm over here. You talk, <laughs> I'll hold. We can't obviously can't win. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, the casting effect is definitely the way that Spice will win. So if you're on the Spice train, then it's all on me. It, and so that's, the, <laughs> that's a pretty good chance of us winning. This, uh, to be So where did this come from? Just so people don't get confused. <clears throat> Actually, it's kind of an old school t-shirt. I, when I was playing in Vitality, um, they made us like some custom shirts just for fun. And this was my one and I felt it was pretty, pretty cool, right? Because back then I wore like a jade necklace a lot. That's true. And even during my beginning of H2K and Super even, I was wearing like a jade necklace a lot. And then they just made it into an image, and yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Love it, folks. Secret, unsold, ULCS merch. The key to victory here. Force Blice, <laughs> the kissing effect. Root for them. Root for our cover of Legends Never Die. Until next time, thank you for watching the Euphoria podcast. We'll see you guys later. Bye.